Welcome to Mind Love, episode 222. Two, two, two. Today's episode is all about letting go of struggle. There's such a difference between busy and being actively present. And you just spoke to that so beautifully, right? It's like our schedules can be busy, but we don't have to be. When we have a full schedule like yourself, when you are present and in your body and in each moment and doing it to the best of your ability, it actually doesn't feel busy because we're not in our minds. But if you were to do that same day up in your mind, it would feel busy. You would feel exhausted. You would deplete yourself. It's more energy rich for you to be in your body. So when you're with your baby hanging out, being present with him, that's actually giving you life force. It's giving you energy. And it's such a simple shift. But when we do it, it it literally shifts everything. Turn up your frequency with Mind Love. Bite-sized brain hacks for seekers, dreamers, and doers. It's time to give your mind a little love with your host, Melissa Monti. It's a new day, a new episode, and a new opportunity to subscribe to the podcast. If you're listening for the first time, don't forget to hit the subscribe button so you always know about new episodes. Plus, it makes you one of my favorite people. Because the more subscribers I have, the more I attract amazing guests to help better serve you. So don't forget to subscribe. Today, I would love to share a review from Fit Plumber Girl in Canada who says, Melissa dives deep into her own life and struggles, and I feel very connected due to my similar experiences. Listening to this podcast helps me find insights and healing in ways that sometimes therapy can't even do. Thank you so much for helping me as every episode I've listened to has helped me in one way or another. Oh, thank you so much. Like I always say, reading these reviews make me feel more connected to all of you listening, and it also just completely lights up my day. So thank you so much for taking the time to just send me a little sparkle. And now onto the show. What would you say if I told you that you probably make things harder on yourself than they need to be? I'm not trying to single you out. Most of us do this. We beat ourselves up for little mistakes or even things we had no control over. We have trouble receiving help or even compliments. We pick fights when our relationships are too good. We self-sabotage when we're finally making progress. We doubt our worth or what we deserve. A lot of us are so used to living in a state of dis-ease that when things feel comfortable, we think we're missing something or we're doing it wrong. I feel like I've had to work on each of these things one by one. And I'll give you a few examples. First, most of you have probably heard my story of my ultimate rock bottom. The relationship I had with the guy who was secretly robbing houses, but I didn't know because he kept buying hotels with my credit card to cheat on me with various sex workers and then got me put in jail for his crime. Yeah, everything about that was just so dumb. If you haven't heard that long, dramatic story, you'll just have to subscribe because it comes up sometimes. Anyways, this story's not about him. It's about the guy I dated right after him. He was a normal, good guy. He did like looking at himself in the mirror more than I do, but hey, you gotta be confident to make it in LA, right? Well, by the time I got into that relationship, I was so accustomed to the tumultuous fights the up and down roller coaster of emotions that I didn't know how to ride the train of stability. 
I had a funny feeling that things were happening when they weren't, so I'd get mad and pick a fight. What I didn't realize was that I was addicted to those roller coaster emotions. It took me a couple years to actually get off the ride. There was also a period of time where I kept getting great jobs and I would work super hard to make my skills known, for example, getting top salesperson in the district, and then I'd just rarely show up after that. One might say I was just a bad employee, and she may be right, but I think it went deeper than that. I think it came back to my beliefs, what I thought I deserved, what I thought I was capable of, who I could be, who I wasn't. When I started to shift my beliefs, my thoughts and my actions and my reality all started to shift too. But even now, I catch myself making things harder than they need to be. I can get caught up in cycles of just focusing on the negative, what I haven't yet accomplished, what I don't yet have, what my little town is missing, what I can't do, or I get caught up in comparison or blame or victimhood. And none of that makes my life feel any easier, that's for sure. What I've learned, though, is that all of my problems are in the mind. Even when my circumstances seem bad, it's only a problem if I perceive it as a problem. And yeah, we can sit here and try to challenge that, saying, but Melissa, my problems are so much bigger. You haven't been through what I've been through. You can never understand my stuff. But let me ask you this. Where does that leave you then? Does it empower you or disempower you? And you're right. There are things that I can never understand. And there are things that I've gone through that you'll never understand. But I know no matter what anyone does to me or no matter what life hands me, I can shift the way I think about it to make it easier on myself. When I stop blaming, I realize I have more power than I think I do. And that's not to say I condone someone's terrible actions toward me. It's saying that I am taking responsibility for how I move forward. That I am the only person responsible for my life. So no matter what curveballs I'm thrown or how badly I'm hurt, I am the one who has to get back up and keep going. No one's going to do that for me. I also know that I have to check my thinking regularly because, as I always say, New levels bring new monsters. And for me, each one of those takes a bit of conscious thought and intention. So that's what we'll be talking about today, among other things, letting go of struggle. Our guest is one of my favorite people, Samantha Skelly. Everything about her is impressive. She is a self-made entrepreneur and CEO of two multi-million dollar wellness companies, a highly sought after international speaker, best-selling author, and wellness coaching expert with a heart-centered approach to business, coaching, and life. She's all about examining the underlying causes of food, body, and self-love issues. And her two companies include Hungry for Happiness and Pause Breathwork, whose mission is to unite all of humanity by helping people breathe, feel, and heal. Three key things we will learn today are how to be open to receiving the good, how to shift the energy of busy, and how to release stress and anxiety using the power of breath. And if this is your first time giving your mind a little love, I have a few goodies for you. 
First, don't forget to subscribe so you never miss an episode. And second, sign up for the Morning Mind Love. Think of it like a weekday oracle from your highest self to help you start each day with a positive focus. Plus, you'll get two gifts absolutely free, a 30-minute binaural meditation and 30 days of journaling prompts to help you remember who you truly are. So join over 9,000 people and go to mindlove.com to sign up or text the word MORNING to 33777. And now let's welcome Sam Skelly back to the show. So nice to be here. How are you? I'm actually so excited to have an uninterrupted almost hour with you today. (laughs) It's going to be amazing. So your birthday was just yesterday. How do you feel about getting older? What are you going through right now? You know what's so interesting? I I actually love it. Like every year I get older, life becomes easier. You know, like... I don't know. The last year was epic and I, I'm already feeling this excitement for this year. And I'm not feeling like the, I don't know, I, I don't really feel like the pain of like, oh, I'm getting old or aging or things like that. I don't know. It just, it just feels, I just feel excited about it. I know. I hope it doesn't change. I feel the same because every year has gotten significantly better. I'm like, mm. yes, I had less wrinkles in my 20s, but <laughs> but I had no idea who I was. And so that's why it was so important to fill the wrinkles because that's who I was. And I'm like, oh, oh, it's deeper than that. Thank you, wrinkles, for showing me. <laughs> totally. Totally. That's that's just it, you know. It, it's like you you place value on on things that actually matter. I find at this age, you know, it's like, oh, I'm prioritizing, you know, the stabilization of my nervous system over parties. Cool, okay, you know, I'm I'm prioritizing spaciousness and love, and I'm prioritizing all these things that are actually giving me such a greater ROI. Whereas in my 20s, I prioritize things that were constantly depleting me, and so. I don't know. I, I, I've definitely become more emotional in my 30s, but I've also become a lot more wise. Yeah. You know, I find that a lot of people naturally start to transition to different priorities, but not everyone does. And even when we do prioritize some of the better priorities, a lot of us still have escape mechanisms or mm-hmm. think different that we sink into in order to escape the present moment. Do you have those things? You know, okay, so wait, was it our last conversation? Yes, oh my God, it was. You were the one that inspired me to stop drinking coffee, right? Ooh, probably. (laughs) (laughs) That was you. Because we had a conversation on my podcast about stopping alcohol. Yeah. And then I asked, okay, do you stop drinking coffee? And you said, no, right? That was you. Yeah, I won't say that I don't drink coffee, but it is no longer a part of my routine at all. Like if I'm traveling and we stop at a nice coffee shop, then yes. But right now I drink mud water with, sometimes I'll put decaf coffee in it to make it more like a dirty chai. But uh, that's what, that's I do what it was. Yeah. So, so that was my vice. I was waking up feeling so excited to have coffee and I can't do anything until I, I have coffee. And I wasn't able to feel the the power of my own energy that I worked so hard to cultivate because I was just dumping coffee into my system, which was jacking up my nervous system and making me feel like a 
God darn psycho. Like I literally <laughs> felt like I was on, I felt like I was high. It's just not good, you know? And I'm a naturally very energetic person anyways. And so when I was spiking my body with, with caffeine, for me personally, it was just like, uh-uh. But I feel like I'll get to a place with you. Like I needed to go cold turkey just to like get rid of the addiction, I think. But then I'm excited to come to a place where I do have a really amazing relationship with it. Because there is nothing better than having a cup of coffee in like a cute French restaurant with a croissant, you know? Like, I love that vibe. But I was feeling addicted to it. So that was one of the vices that I was going to, you know? And, and you know, other than, other than coffee, I detached from my social media addiction last year. And that felt really good. And coffee was sort of the last thing to go. So I, and I still have a headache from not drinking it, but <laughs> I'm excited <laughs> to like get it out of my system. There have been times where I've drank buckets of coffee at a time. <laughs> like mm-hmm. that was my habit. I remember when I worked at a place that had an espresso machine and man, I would have like nine espressos a day. And uh oh, wow. just because it was free. <laughs> but <laughs> but uh I've never felt actually addicted to it. And I, I really think it was because I was on Adderall for so long. Um mm. I've had a hard time feeling caffeine and I know I feel it because I'll have these moments where I'm like, oh, clearly I'm talking even faster than I usually talk. Like the caffeine must have kicked in, but I've never been like, oh my God, I need it for this energy boost. But I do relate to a lot of what you said because that's how I was feeling with alcohol. And I don't know, I still am resistant to saying I was an alcoholic, but I was reaching for it. You know, I was able to moderate, but then I would think about the moderation or Mm -hmm. I don't know. How did you decide that you were inspired and that was something that you were actually going to take action on? Like, what was the balance? Because on one hand, you were excited for it, so it seems like a good thing. But Mm -hmm. on the other hand, there were some downsides. When do you decide that the balance is out of whack and that you have to like get rid of something in your life or add something new? Mm, That's such a good question. When you don't feel complete without it, or there's this gnawing energy of like, I can't think of anything until I have this thing. When it's the when-then game, you know, that's when I know, okay, whoa, we need to pull back on this thing. Because I, I want the things in my life, the things that I choose to consume and be around and the environments that I put myself in, I want it to only add value to what already feels whole. And if I am doing anything from a deficit or a position of lack, that's an addiction in, in, for me anyway. And I felt that with food when I had food addiction and I had my res- restrictive behaviors and my overeating and things like that. And with coffee, it was the same sort of thread. It was the same stream of energy of that. I have to have this now so that my brain can relax. And when that's there, I'm like, oh, let's get out of here. Oh, yeah, I totally relate to that. Uh, I, I think for me, the process begins with resistance. I make all the excuses as to why I don't need to give it up. (laughs) But then it's like, when I notice I'm making these excuses for something, I'm like, wait, you must be very tied to this if you're making excuses for it. Or if you like, uh, I would notice that when other people would say like, they're giving up alcohol or whatever, I'd be like, oh, good for you. 
Mm. I've thought about it, but, and then all of a sudden I'd be, it would like the, in my head or even out loud, sometimes it would suddenly be about me and why I didn't need to do that. And I'm like, if that's how you're responding to somebody who's saying they're giving up something for the betterment of themselves, you probably have a problem. (laughs) (laughs) You know, you just hijacked this person's inspirational story and made it about why it's like the best thing ever for you. We're all here just trying to live our best lives, right? And while you're here listening to a podcast, you might feel like you're on the right track, but then you visit family or you have a work deadline or something unexpected comes up and you're all stressed out and it feels like all the work is out the window. That's why it's so important to consciously curate what you can control, like who you surround yourself with, what you watch, what you listen to. So I'm going to add another podcast to your toolbox, The Dr. John Deloney Show. He has a PhD in counseling and has been sitting with hurting people for 20 years. He shares practical advice for everything from how to connect with people, how to face depression, overcome anxiety, and learn just what it means to be well. But what's really cool about his show is you can even leave a voicemail or send an email and he'll address your topic or question about mental or emotional help on the show. So no matter what you're going through, the Dr. John Deloney show is here for you. Listen to the Dr. John Deloney show wherever you get your podcasts or follow the link on the website. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. I really need to get something off my chest. Being a mom of a three-year-old boy is really freaking hard and sometimes it has me questioning my sanity. But then he'll grab my face and call me his sweet little mama. Yes, that's a real thing he says. (laughs) And it will all melt away until I break his banana. I thought I was done with emotionally abusive relationships, but nope. We all carry around stressors, big and small. And when we keep them all bottled up, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. For me, just talking things through is hugely helpful, but it's so hard finding friends and family that are unbiased or non-judgmental. And therapy isn't just about dealing with major trauma, you know? It's about learning healthy coping mechanisms, setting boundaries, becoming the best version of yourself. And BetterHelp makes it super convenient, too. Everything's done online so you can fit therapy sessions around your schedule. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash MindLove today and get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash MindLove. Finding that actually with coffee, like, you know, people, even in the last couple of days, I mean, it's only been a week, but when I have been saying, oh, I quit coffee, they're like, oh, but, but why? <laughs> like, it could be like, it gives me energy. It's so good for you. It's this. And I'm like, okay, cool. <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're like, let me talk to your adrenals first and then we'll, right. <laughs> then we'll right. chat. <laughs> and I, like, there's something to be said and I've done like 30 day remove the coffee type of things. And it's so interesting. I historically, well, before seven days ago, um, it'd be like 8.30 at night and I could literally feel the battery of my energy depleting and I'm like, I have to go to bed now. The last week, I don't know what it is. I've had the headaches, but I haven't had the energy crashes. Like my energy has been sustained throughout the entire day. But I, I get like every book that I read on quitting coffee is like, 
essentially you're stealing energy from tomorrow to energize yourself today. So when you get rid of the addiction to it, and again, once in a while it's fine, but when you get rid of the addiction to it, you stabilize your energy and then you're actually using your energy resources versus, you know, stealing it from tomorrow. Oh, yeah. Yes. The stealing it from tomorrow has been one of the pivotal things in uh, <laughs> a lot of the things. My husband and I talk about it all of the time. Back in my 20s, our weed dealer once <laughs> told us, he was like, he, I cannot remember how it got brought up, but he basically was, oh, it was my husband's birthday. And he's like, oh, 30. That's a good time to give up alcohol. Like, kind of out of the blue. And then he went on this whole monologue. Honestly, that weed dealer at that time dropped so many nuggets of wisdom <laughs> over the years. I can honestly say he made me a better person. <laughs> but uh, one of the things was about, uh, yeah, you're just stealing. You're just stealing your tomorrow with alcohol. And he also said, like, you know, after that first drink, all you are doing is chasing the high that lasts no longer than 20 minutes. So if you're drinking longer than 20 minutes, you're chasing the feeling that you got during that first part. And all the while, you're just depleting drink after drink. And I, again, resisted that for years, but it planted a seed. And that's what got me to start actually noticing what was going on in my body? Because I think a lot of the times, whatever we're addicted to, we're so excited for it. And then it's the ritual of preparing it. I was reading a book about addiction and she was talking about this with her meth habit. Uh, the ritual mm. of like getting the meth pipe and lighting the fire and all this stuff was, was part of it. The coming home, the salivating and anticipating. Those things are all part mm. of the addictive mechanism. And so it would be like, oh, walking to the wine store, picking out the wine, coming home, pouring it at night in a nice wow. glass. And then... Uh, that first sip and kind of holding it on my tongue. And then after that, though, I would, with enough awareness, I realized, okay, now I'm just a little bit more tired. Now I'm just a little bit more snappy. Now I'm just mm. a little less motivated about life. And then overall, like after, over time, I was just a little bit less motivated about life in general, even when I wasn't drinking. Cause it was like, mm. that was the anchor in the day, like the five o'clock when I could pour the wine, the ritual, all that waking yeah. up the next morning, having a productive day. So I could then, uh, be rewarded or deserve that glass of wine. Yeah. And I was like, oh my gosh, it's no longer even about my goals. It's about this goal that hijacked all my other ones. <laughs> That's so interesting. That's so interesting. Would you ever go back to drinking again? Or are you are you a hard no on it now? I find absolutes difficult to bear ever. Yeah. So I've never mm -hmm. quit anything saying it. I was never going to do it again. There's a lot of things that I still like about it. And so right now I just passed my six month mark of being alcohol free. But right. like I said, I, it's not like I was like, like all of the things that routine that I just described was so internal that nobody else around me I mean, maybe my husband, <laughs> but like most people wouldn't, wouldn't necessarily notice that. Um, I think for me, I have a tendency for overconsumption of anything. It's like once you've already got that neural pathway that deep of reaching outside of yourself for anything, I just have to moderate a lot of the things that have, even if there's a lot of benefits that also have negatives, like, like mm -hmm. social media, like, uh, like I can get obsessive over yoga, which is a good thing, but then I also right. have to be like, okay, what, what place is this coming from? And so I'm constantly like in this 
self-awareness of the battle in my mind of like, okay, is this still good? Is it bad? What, what are the bad parts? What's outweighing the good parts? And so, like I said, I've had so many good times with alcohol and seemingly bonding moments over alcohol, but not having that anchor, that tie that constantly pulls Mm. me in, it's, I've realized I find joy in so many other things like, okay, going on a vacation and landing and, and, I think of girls trips where it's like, okay, let's go get a drink. And it seems like the kickoff or you're like having a drink in the airport to like Mm. kick off your vacation. But I can specifically remember one time I went to London with one of my guy friends and I was all about like, oh yeah, we're, let's go get a drink somewhere. Like let's kick off this trip. And he wasn't a big drinker. And I was like, lame, but he'd be like, well, let's go visit this, this museum or let's go to this sightseeing thing. And I was like, okay, in between the drinks at that time. And this was earlier in my twenties and I was drinking more, but it became difficult to enjoy the present moment because they were just the in-between moments instead of the climactic points, you know? And I was waiting until the next time to go to the bar to grab a drink on the beach or whatever it was. Like, I realized those in-between moments that were I was considering as the filler parts of my life, now those are brightening up and becoming the main event and that's something I'm not willing to let go. So we'll see uh, what what comes, but I don't ever want it to be the way it was before. Well, you know what's so interesting just talking about the addiction to yoga? I think that's something really important to pay attention to. And I hear this from my students all the time. People are like, can I do breath work for three hours a day? I'm like, Why? Would you want to? What is the intention? <laughs> what is the intention behind the action? You know, the action can look really healthy, like breath work or yoga or whatever it is. But if the energy of why we do it is the addictive energy, then it's just swapping out one thing for the other. You know, like when I was running my first company, Hungry for Happiness we had a lot of people who were addicted to food because they were addicted to alcohol. And they're like, oh, I'm no longer an alcoholic, but I'm now addicted to food. It's like, we got to get to the root, root, root of what is going on there so that we can alkalize and heal the addiction so that we don't slap things on top of each other. Because it can get really tricky, especially in the yoga community, you know? Yeah. Yeah, and it's harder to discern when it's a healthier habit. Like I could get addicted to yoga right now. I do not have time to get addicted to yoga, (laughs) but uh, I remember the way I was feeling during those times when even a healthy thing could become an addiction. And a lot of the times Mm -hmm. it was because I thought something about that was shaping me and it could Mm -hmm. be my body. It could be my mind, but like, I didn't trust that I would be myself without it, that I would be the version of me that I loved without it, if that makes sense. And that even goes back to eating disorder days because I'm like, well, who am I without this? Or then it was the Adderall and it's like, well, will I even be able to not have an eating disorder without the Adderall because it curbs my appetite? Or what will my body look like? Will I still love myself? Like I've, I've become this healthy person now like, what am I without this? And so on, in all the levels, I was worried that somehow 
that was a part of me that I would lose if I wasn't continuously doing it, if that makes sense. And and that's on top of the normal things of like, okay, well, I can't sit alone with my thoughts, so I must go do this. But it was like a layered addiction, if that makes sense. Oh, for sure, for sure. And I think that's why these things need to be unpacked really carefully because throughout our life, we just keep collecting dust to cover up another thing. And there's, you know, fears on top of fears that we just have coping mechanisms for. So it's really multifaceted. Like, it's like a, yeah, a layered cake. <laughs> so I, when I look back to like old addictions, they came from such a different place because it was like escaping the moment or the discomfort, like, I mean, there were so many things I could, I could draw from as to why I was reaching outside of myself. But then it's like, now I've done a lot of work on myself and I do still find myself falling into habits sometimes that I have to be mindful of. But I'm curious, like with your coffee addiction, was that purely a behavioral addiction or did you end up being able to find some sort of root cause as to why you felt like you needed that on top of, in addition to your life in order to, I don't know, get on with your day? Was it purely just the energy source or something else? Well, it's interesting. I'm a, I am love writing. And so I used to think, well, first I used to think that when I have a glass of wine, then I can write better. And mm-hmm. so I would have a glass of wine and I would write content. I would have a glass of wine, I would write content. And that's, I kind of got into like a, a habit of that not a habit, but, you know, once or twice a week of doing that. And then it was the same thing in the morning. Like, okay, I have my cup of coffee and then I go to write content and I go to, you know, script videos and things like that. And my creativity is way better when I have coffee. And so I made that connection. But then I took it away and I realized that that wasn't it. You know, it wasn't, it wasn't, it didn't amplify my creativity at all. In fact, it maybe made it worse because I was jittery while I was trying to create content. And so, it's just interesting how the mind creates stories of like why we need certain things at certain times. And when you get to the core of it, it's like, that's just purely not true. But the mind has such an incredible ability of negotiating so that we're not uncomfortable, you know? Yeah. You posted something on Instagram recently about letting go of struggle uh, and realizing like kind of just being able to receive all of the beautiful things that you've created. Like, you have a super successful business, you're in a relationship, all of that. And I, I read that and I like nine different trains of thought occurred. One of them is that it's funny that I'm always working on something because I'm like, is this the struggle that I automatically create? Like, I, I feel like I almost need to create a good form of struggle in order to not accidentally self-sabotage and create other forms of struggle. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Does that make any sense to you? Like, it's like, I have to be doing something hard. And right now it's still kind of the alcohol thing. And uh, I don't know, getting back into the flow of momming and entrepreneuring. But uh, with when I don't have a good type of struggle that I'm working towards, I do seem to create unnecessary struggle or even expect the life I've created to bring struggle. And so it'll be a more mental struggle. Like I will almost have anxiety that everything's going well. Like I'll I'll Mm. imagine something going wrong or something of those sorts. It's so interesting. You know, I, I wrote that post because I came to this place where I'm like, wow, my business is really smooth. I have this incredible team. 
We have this amazing breathwork app. There's thousands of people on it. We have this academy that is training people to become breathwork facilitators. Everything is working so well. Like it's it's great. And what I was finding is there was a part of me because there hasn't been a lot of struggle in my business. There's, you know, hard work and things like that, but there hasn't been a lot of struggle. My nervous system is like, I don't know if you're doing it right. And so my ego is like, let's create something else or let's do something. Or my my signature move is just like getting into the weeds of my business and trying to find problems. You know, it's like my team's like, get out of here. Like, you don't need to be in here fixing all these things. Like, we got it. Like, just trust us. And that's been like such an interesting journey for me, you know, of like really being able to surrender and trust and just allow it to be easy. And, you know, there's this interesting... Uh, contrast right now that I'm experiencing where what my soul really, really, really wants is spaciousness, ease, flow, you know, less meetings, less things on my calendar. But my mind is like, we need a new challenge. Well, if we create a new challenge, then we're going to have an issue of our calendars being super full. So it's like this interesting, uh, like, it's like they're fighting against each other a little bit. So it's just so important for me to come back to my soul and be like, okay, what do you actually want? Because my mind can spin me into chaos all day long if I let it. That programming, the story going on in their mind is so much louder that it's hard to discern what is the programming versus what is like that true self yearning to be expressed? This is going to sound cliche, but it's breath work for me. You know, it's like the whole thing that I built my business on is how can we use our breath in a way that drops us into our bodies so we're so detached from our mind that all we hear is our soul. And when we're in our minds, when we're living in our minds and there's the busy and the chaos, we're running that track of busy and, you know, every, to the ego, everything is urgent and important. To the ego, we're always falling behind. We're always not good enough. And so if, if that's the track that's running and we're more identified with our mind than our soul, then we're going to really believe that. But when we use breath work as a bridge, we breathe, we drop from our mind into our bodies, and then we get to hear the messages, not of the noise, but of the actual true voice. And so when I'm there in that place, totally surrendered, completely grounded in my body, everything is so clear. Everything makes sense. I complicate it when I don't allow myself to get into my body. So my practice is creating time. Like if I have a free hour on my calendar, it's a practice for me still to take that hour of nothingness and meditate versus getting, you know, knocking 10 things off my to-do list. Yeah. I, first of all, I love people who practice what they preach. I remember once talking to somebody who had a supplement company that I really admired and I was like buying all these supplements and I was like, how many supplements do you take of your own a day? Like you must be stocking up. He's like, really none. And I was like, what am I taking these? <laughs> anyway, but so weird. I won't say who that very well-known person is. How long uh, is your breathwork practice? Like, what does that look like for you? Because I have actually had a lot of people reach out to me recently wondering how to add breathwork into their routine. 
So it's different every day for me. And it really depends on where my body, like where I'm at energetically, like what's happening in my body. So if I'm feeling anxious and my, my body's feeling a little bit activated, I'll do more of a grounding breathwork session. So what that would look like is rather than, so this, so an activating breath pattern would be, and so when I'm anxious, that type of breathwork will actually make me a little bit more anxious. But if I was to do just in through the nose uh, and, and out through the mouth and just really sound on that exhale, it helps me ground my energy down. And so the way that our app is set up is there's tracks anywhere from three minutes to 45 minutes. And depending what you want to do and what you want to accomplish, that's kind of how, the way it's set up. So whether you want to clear your mind, release anxiety, calm stress, learn to trust yourself more, discover your intuition, it's all set up in that way to be able to pick how much, pick the time that you, you have, whether you have only three minutes and then what kind of journey do you want? And so that's kind of like the basis of it. But when I go to do breath work, I really just tune into what do I need right now? And how can I choose something that's going to be compatible to what my body's actually asking for? Yeah. And I find that the longer that you show up in that way, where you are willing to ask, like, what do I need? Mm. The more, the louder those answers become, the, the clearer they become. Like, I think if you go back and listen to like the first year of my podcast, so often I was like, but how do you get in touch with your intuition? <laughs> but like, what does it sound like? <laughs> like, is it like, <laughs> like Mel Gibson coming in? Like, like, how do I know it between the voice that I always hear? It must sound wise. And, and I, I fully didn't understand. And what I, kept doing was I kept just being willing to sit there and be confused. And it was confusion at first, but then I'd be like, well, I feel like I'm kind of getting a hunch to do this thing. Let's see what happens. And then I would take action and then the universe would meet me there. And I'm like, oh my God, this is working out really well. I think I am being guided. And then the guidance started to become clear because I'm like, okay, first of all, if this isn't a voice from of love, then it's not my true self. That's just mm-hmm. the number one rule that I always come back to. But second of all, if I am in a chaotic state and I'm like rushing around or like have all these to-dos on my mind, I'm like, okay, guide me. That's not when the guidance comes in. But if I'm willing what? to take a breath, sit in stillness, be okay that I have a million things on my to-do list, mm-hmm. let them go for the mm-hmm. time being, and and then wait for inspiration like from that place of stillness, it's just a completely different experience. Like I think it's really difficult to get beyond your programming when you're in fight or flight. Oh, oh, for sure, for sure. You know, it's one of the it's really about having a coherent relationship between our inner world and what's going on outside of us. And most people are just so focused on the external. This is why we go on these rides of fear and doubt and insecurity and mad, mad, being angry and all these kinds of things because we've lost connection with our inner world. Now, when we can take that from 100% outer and disconnected, in our inner world and we can go like 50-50, right? 50% connected and 50% uh, perceiving the outside world. We just really learn to rebalance our perspective. We see things in an entirely new light. And when we find deeper places of rest and deeper places of trust and deeper places of love within our bodies, within ourselves, we're going to see that 
everywhere in our reality. And that's how life just gets better. And the better it gets, the better it gets. The more, the more we have an intimate relationship with ourselves and the deeper we go and the more space we have to nourish ourselves, the more life is going to brighten up. But the the tendency is if something's happening in our external world, the tendency for the ego is to grip onto it, to chew on it, to try and make it better, to control it. And that just spins us into states of depression and anxiety and frustration and overwhelm. We have to learn to just meet what life is giving us, but just learn to go deeper in our bodies. Do you ever feel overwhelmed by things that are going on in the world that are completely outside of your control or have your practices grounded you enough that you don't feel that at all? I'm not going to say I don't feel it at all. Obviously, with the stuff happening with Russia and Ukraine and, you know, COVID and everything, like, I'm attuned to it and it hurts my heart, but I also know that what's really going to help us through this time is people who are super grounded and connected to themselves and helping from a resource place, right? We saw the chaos that happened when Black Lives Matter. You know, it's like everyone's just operating from triggers and wounding and stress and it's just so much and it just created so much chaos. What the world needs right now is ground. We need to be aware of what's going on and we need to have a healthy relationship to uncertainty because there's a lot of it right now, but we can't be operating from a jacked up nervous system because it's just going to create more chaos. I go back and forth because I, I I get into the di- addictive brain and I go into the rabbit holes and I'm like, well, mm. I need to find out everything there is to find out about this. And there's just so many conflicting stories about no anything. And I'm not talking about mm. one thing in particular because I refuse to anymore. <laughs> but like, uh, I, I've, you never know. Like you cannot be 100% sure about the truth of anything. I do not care who you are and where you're coming from. Nobody knows 100% sure about anything. And then there Mm -hmm. are so many conflicting interests about absolutely everything. And, and you can't even look at like, Oh, everything's on, everyone's on one team. It's like, you know, the media needs the clicks and the headlines and the viewership and they know how to pull at your emotions. And and the best way to, anybody who's worked in marketing knows that the best way to get somebody to share is to pull at their emotions. And usually those are negative emotions unless you're cr- okay. causing somebody to laugh. And so knowing that people are vying for my emotion, that is what I've been working on. Uh, the first thing is just, I want to, I can't say control over my emotions. I don't think that's healthy either. But I want to be the one that's driving them. I want to be able to choose. Uh, and if I feel something, then yes, I'm, I'm going to feel it. But I'm not going to get pulled into somebody else's drama. Because like I said, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what's real anymore, mm-hmm. really, which is Seriously. kind of a, it, on one hand, like if somebody would have told me 10 years ago, you know, in 10 years, you're not going to know what is real about absolutely anything. You're going to get to the place where you know that wisdom is, is realizing, you know, nothing <laughs> that would have been scary to me because I think yeah. I've spent the last 10 years trying to acquire knowledge. Like, and for a long time in my mind, there was seeking truth. I wanted to seek mm-hmm. the truth about everything. And then it just got to, you know, reading enough books that realizing that everything contradicts everything. And, mm-hmm. and so it's like, now I'm more about what, how does this feel? And I'm not going to like bypass 
crazy crises going on, but me freaking out in my home worrying about the future is not going to do anything to change the situation. But me being grounded in my energy and using that as a catalyst to inspire some sort of practice or or whatever, like that's when I've had a number of family members, friends in the last few months ask me like, okay, what are you doing? How are how are you handling this so differently now? And that I think is what really inspires change. It's that direct ripple effect of modeling how to be even when everything's in turmoil. Totally. And we underestimate our ability for our energy. Like we are energetic beings. And so if we want to shift things, if we want to support, we can use this incredible resource we have called energy. And I, one of the, my favorite teachings is, is that I teach my students is your vibration is your contribution. So in times like this, where we're like, we want to help, we want to help. Okay, well, resource yourself, let your vibration be your contribution and help from a place of just overflow like really holding the vision for people, giving people love, praying if that's your thing, meditating if that's your thing, whatever it is, like knowing how powerful we are. Yeah, I. it's funny, as you were even saying that, I could like feel this fire in my core. <laughs> it was like coming up, it's like, yes, I will be the peacemaker of Big Bear Lake. <laughs> <laughs> I oh think the God, trees do that. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> I mean, it's it's helpful being on top of the mountain. I feel like, especially in the last few months, and I think it's a lot of the clarity from not drinking, honestly. And because uh, I, I went through a, a pretty difficult transition of moving here. Like it was just, I knew I wanted to be here. Like from a soul level, I wanted to be in nature, but there were a lot of things I was addicted to about the convenience of Los Angeles and being around people. And, uh, and so, it was interesting kind of navigating that and and having to remind myself you want this like you chose this and and so i read a bunch of books about how great it was to be in nature but it was hard to disconnect myself from some of those old patterns and we've we've been talking about releasing old patterns kind of a lot how what is your process of uh identity through that because i i have realized how often i identify with the patterns and think it's a part of me and so moving out of that, well, I'm like, well, who am I without that? What do you, how do you talk yourself through that? That's such a good question. So I call this my glimpse practice. <laughs> and what a glimpse practice is, is letting myself glimpse the essence of my soul. Sounds crazy, but let me walk you through it. So we have everything that we think that we are, our personality, our beliefs, our values, what we're wearing, like literally everything. And when we think that we are those things, we get fused to that. We get fused to these identities. We get fused to these beliefs. When nothing is malleable, we just stay stuck there. We don't stay stuck there if we know and can feel what it actually feels like for our true self to be online, for our true self to emerge. Now, for many people, this they're going to be like, what are you talking about? Because this place is not well visited by most people. Most people live addicted to their beliefs, addicted to who they, who they think they are. And so there's a, like our spirit or, you know, our soul's essence or our truth or whatever it is, like that energy that is running through us 
is always, always, always there. And we mute it and we dilute it through distraction, through being in our heads and things like that. So for me, nature actually is one of the best ways that I can glimpse my true self. When I'm in nature, when I'm completely disconnected from my phone, when I'm totally in flow, I'm not bound by time. Like my day is open. You know, there's those moments where you're just like, okay, this is, this is the, there's a sense of freedom and liberation right here. And when I'm in that, I can actually feel who I am beyond who I think I am. So then when I'm in that place, then I can just observe and inquire like, who do, who do I think I am? Or who do I tell myself I am? And reviewing all of our all of our labels and all of our beliefs and everything that we think we are from our heart, from our soul. What's your balance of like the person that you're creating through all of the things that you're doing in this world versus actually just allowing the authenticity to shine through? Does that question make sense? Let me try and answer it and I'll see if the answer makes sense to you. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so... I love holding the duality of where I'm at today with where I'm going. And so where I'm at today is I'm very aware of my beliefs and I'm very aware of, you know, this version of me, right? And so it's 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 really about understanding like where I'm at right now is because of every all of the work I've done up until this point, right? So that's the version of me that exists right now as we're having this conversation. But what I know to be true is even this version of me is riddled with untruths, is riddled with things that are not me. And I don't know what those things are yet because right now I'm fused with them. And I'm only going to become unfused with them by doing deeper spiritual practices, getting deep into meditation, getting really silent, disconnecting from the external world to find a deeper place of truth. Now, when I find that deeper place of truth, it's not about fighting off all of the things that I think I am those things just shed away and fall away because I found something so much greater. And that journey doesn't end. We just keep going deeper and deeper and deeper. And then who we thought we were just sheds and falls and releases away. It's not a process to shed those things. It's finding that new resting position in our body. And from that resting position, we can tell that, oh, that version of me is is, is no longer in alignment, is no, no longer truthful. Does that make sense? It does. Yeah. And that was exactly the answer that I was looking for. <laughs> <Okay>, <girl. laughs> or uh, whatever question I was trying to form, that, that made a lot of sense. Yeah. It's, it's interesting for me. It's like the more I share what I'm going through publicly, I have like so many layers of self-reflection from it. There's the self-reflection that originally created like a lesson for me. Then I say it out loud and I hear it from another perspective. Then I get feedback or people reaching out saying that they go through it. And then, and then I hear it from a different perspective. And so it, there's just like layers and layers of shedding, realization, creation in everything that I'm moving through. What I find interesting now, though, is that I will think I've pinpointed something like, oh, that's what it is. Or, okay, this is who you are now. And the moment that I define that, I will resist it. I'm like, no, you're too complicated <laughs> to be in this bubble that you've just created for yourself or in this one definition. And I especially do it when other people try to define me like, oh, you're always like this. My first reaction is not, oh, you're right. It's you don't know what I always do. <laughs> and so on one hand, having this extra amount of awareness brings so much 
richness and depth. But on the other hand, it can be a very slippery slope to overanalyzing myself and everything else. (laughs) I think the place that I love to be in is an acceptance and a rooted in who I am today with a childlike wonder of who I'm becoming. So the energy underneath that is more of an exploration and more of a wonder and an excitement versus versus how I used to do it, which was, I need to fix myself. I need to fix myself. Like I would do personal development, like a freaking crackhead. Like I would put that stuff in my veins if I could, because I was just so on a quest of getting better, getting better, getting better. And I think the, the place that I'm at now after doing this for 15 years is being very, like I'm at a place now where I'm like, if I don't grow, this feels good. But I know my nature and the nature of the universe, of course, is to constantly expand and expand. So the expansion of who am I going to become this year? Who am I going to become in the next 10 years? That for me is very exciting. Like it feels, it feels very, um, yeah, like I'm like, I'm so excited. Like it's so good right now. Like how, and it's only going to get better because history has shown me that the last 10 years, every single year has gotten better and better and better. So it's going to continue on that trajectory because that's what momentum and inertia does. But it's not from a place of like, I need to be better anymore. It used to be. I love that. Yeah, there's been such a contentedness that I've found even just, uh, you know, I think for me, a lot of it was becoming a mother. I don't know, mm. maybe I, it was like a, motherhood has been a critical part for me. Like I thought, I just everything I thought about myself, so many things I thought about myself were just different. Like, well, what mm. I didn't think I could handle versus who I'm becoming and how how naturally it's unfolding because I just need to show up for this moment and do what needs to be done. Like, it's like yeah. the first year of motherhood is like so survival mode, but in the best way. Like, it's it's almost hard to explain because it's like survival mode wrapped in more love than I've ever experienced <laughs> in my entire life. And so this version mm. of me is emerging where I'm like, oh, I can just do, 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 and not in the bad way. It's like, I used to let a lot of things go because I'm like, no, I just need to sit here. I've done enough for the day, whatever. And it's like, now I just can't if I need, like, yeah. if I need stuff to get done. And so I'm, I have slots of time to like work on my business, to keep up with the house, to spend quality time. And what I'm shifting into is being like, I have to be so present for each of those because I only have this hour nap window to do my business. And then I am with my baby. And so I'm just fully present with him. I don't want to be on my phone because I don't want to be modeling that behavior in front of him. And so I think that's what it really is. It's like, yes, I'm busier than I've ever been, but I am more present than I've ever been. And I don't really have a choice about that. And there's something so freeing because I don't Mm. even have time to get wrapped up into the addictive parts of my brain that used to be so easy to fall into. So this is super interesting. I've been playing with this concept on expanding time and there's, there's such a difference between busy and being actively present. And you just spoke to that so beautifully, right? It's like, it's like our schedules can be busy, but we don't have to be. So when we are, when we have a full schedule like yourself, when you are present and in your body and in each moment and doing it to the best of your ability, it actually doesn't feel 
busy because we're not in our minds. But if you were to do that same day up in your mind, it would feel busy. You would feel exhausted. You would deplete yourself. It's more energy rich for you to be in your body. So when you're with your baby, hanging out, being present with him, that's actually giving you life force. It's giving you energy. And it's such a simple shift. But when we do it, it it literally shifts everything. It really does. Like at the end of the day, it's funny because I still have a couple of shows that I watch or whatever, but the last few weeks I'll sit down. And I'm like, okay, well, you know, you've had a jam packed day, like sit down, just let go, enjoy this. I'll make some tea, whatever. And it feels out of alignment. Like I'm not even trying to give up TV entirely. I mean, part of me wants that for me, but part of me is like, well, I don't know. I feel like I need something to like release or let go of, but the last few weeks, it's just felt odd. Like at the end of the day, if I sit down to watch something, it just doesn't feel right. Like something about mm-hmm. not being present, like not mm-hmm. being in my body feels mm-hmm. strange. <laughs> so I'm like, I don't know. Does this mean this is the next thing that I'm going to give up completely? I know there can probably only be positives that come from that, but then what? Like the, then do I have to read even more? Like, <laughs> what do I fill that time with? Do I just go to sleep at 7.30? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, maybe, you know, maybe that's maybe. the phase. And, and, and I think, you know, you said it so beautifully. It's like definites are really hard to, to be in like forevers, right? It's like, we have to remember that we are these, we, we are part of nature and nature is always in seasons and cycles. And so maybe right now you're in a cycle of not needing so much consumption from the external world because there's something internally that is even more potent and that your intuition is guiding you to. So maybe that spaciousness at night is like guiding you to another version of yours or something else, you know? Oh my goodness. Thank you for this coaching call. (laughs) Well, thank you so much for just another amazing 47 minutes of my life. (laughs) So for listeners that love you as much as I do, where is the best place for them to connect with you? The best place is my Instagram. From there, you can find absolutely everything. So Samantha Skelly. Uh, is the Instagram. And then if you're somebody who is interested in continuing their breathwork or starting a breathwork journey, pause breathwork in the app store for that. All the links for this episode are at mindlove.com slash 222. Wow, what an awesome number. This episode must be special. It felt special, honestly. Your challenge for this week is to examine where in your life you're making things a little bit harder. And this is a practice that might take a little bit of time. For me, I first take note of how I'm feeling throughout the day. And so this can just be general self-awareness, tuning in more often, noting when you aren't feeling good in your body or your mind, when stress arises, when you get triggered easily. And then just take a moment whether it's just a moment of self-reflection or taking time to sit down and journal a little bit and ask yourself if you can just let go. Can you reframe whatever you're going through and spin it to a slightly more positive perspective? And I'm not talking about all that positivity bypassing where everything that happens is suddenly for the good, but just bringing in an energy of acceptance. Once you accept where you are, you can actually move forward productively, even if it's a challenging moment. 
Most of our pain and our dis-ease comes from resisting what is. Whether we are resisting what we currently have by thinking we should have more, by wanting more, by envying others, by comparing, that is resisting who you are, where you are, what you have, what is, the reality of what is. Because guess what? As Byron Katie says, when you argue with reality, you lose every time. And I know, I know it can be so hard to let go of that resistance, to even realize that we're making things harder for ourselves. So use your tools. For me, I can go sit down in meditation. That is a surefire way for me to at least release one layer of my resistance. You can use breath work. Sam Skelly has the amazing pause breathwork app. I've been diving into that a lot this week. And honestly, it makes such a difference because you actually change your composition. You change the way your body is moving in that moment. And so it makes it easy because you can feel the physical changes, which makes it impossible to ignore changes in general, which makes it even easier to apply those changes to your mental state. I remember reading once that it is impossible to be stressed out if your body is completely relaxed. And so I still use that. When I'm feeling stressed, sometimes it's hard to work it out just in my mind. Adding more focus to the mental anguish seems to expand the mental anguish. And sometimes just trying to flip to the positive feels like absolute bullshit. So I will then focus on my body. Go one by one, body scanning from my head to my neck to my shoulders, my back, just releasing tension in the individual muscles. And before I know it, the stress is almost gone. And breathwork works so similarly because all of a sudden you are bringing your focus from your mind back into your body, which makes it easier to consciously release some of the stress that you're holding. So let me know how it goes. Reach out to me on Instagram at mindlovemelissa or leave a comment right on this show notes page at mindlove.com slash 222. If you loved this episode, please consider sharing it directly to someone or take a screenshot. Tag Mind Love Melissa, Mind Love Podcast. And if you'd like, also Samantha Skelly. The best ways to support the show are by joining Mind Love Premium at mindlove.com slash premium. You will become basically my best friend in the entire world. You also get... Sometimes early release if I can get my shit together in time to post it. (laughs) Also, ad-free episodes, the whole backlog of exclusive episodes, and some extra bonuses like meditations and such. And finally, supporting one of my amazing sponsors. You can find a list of these at mindlove.com slash sponsors. And that's all for today. So thanks for giving your mind a little love today, and I'll see you next week. Thanks for tuning into your higher frequency with Mind Love. Head to mindlove.com for a free gift to keep your vibes up until next week. 